Welcome to Faith Center Foursquare Church's Message of the Week. For more information on the church or ministry, head on over to our website, eurekafaithcenter.org, or find us on Facebook or Instagram. This morning, I get to continue our series, Just Like Jesus, right? We've been in the series called Just Like Jesus, and today's message is titled, All Things in Common. There is this quote that I love, and it says, In essentials, unity in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. And as Christians, for us, that essential thing that unifies us is Jesus. Amen? Amen. So that is the one thing that we have in common. We are united by our faith in Jesus Christ. Without that essential, there's no church, right? There's no church. We, we come under the banner of Jesus and who he, he is as our essential. The second line of the of the quote says, in non-essentials, liberty. Liberty speaks to the freedom that we have, the freedom that we have to have our own beliefs. Um, We have that as Americans. We have a freedom to have beliefs that don't always agree with each other, correct? Correct. As Christians, we also have freedoms to disagree on certain things. Did you know that? Because we have all things in common in Christ We have liberty and we have freedom to have discussions about hard things with Jesus Christ right next to us. Amen? Amen. The third part of the quote says, in all things charity. And and what that means is actually in all things love. It is love that binds us together. It is love that cares for each other. It It is the love of Jesus Christ that that we share with each other just like he shared it with us, right? So we're in this series just like Jesus, and one thing that Jesus prioritized, one thing that he valued, one thing that he wanted and still does want for us is fellowship. God wants to fellowship with us. He wants us to want to fellowship with him, and he wants us all to fellowship together with him right next to us. And I think if, as Christians, if we want to be just like Jesus, there are three goals that need to be at the top of our list. The first goal is to be with Jesus, quite literally. Like, if we want to be like Jesus, we should hang out with him, right? We should be with Jesus. The second thing on my goal list is to be with Jesus and others. I think sometimes we forget that. You know, I'll I'll get up and I'll pray or I'll put the worship on in the car and sing my little heart out, right? I'll worship in the morning on the way to work, and then I get to work. Is Jesus, oh, I work here. Did you know that? So sorry. <laughs> but is Jesus still with me? Come on, you guys. Is Jesus still with me when I walk into work? Yeah. Well, sometimes he is there, but am I acting like he's there? Hmm? That's, that's, we have to be with Jesus and others intentionally. Sometimes we come into spaces or go to lunch or do whatever, and we leave Jesus, or we think we leave Jesus in the car, Right? The third goal is to be with Jesus in heaven and take others with you, okay? So we need to be with Jesus. We need to be with Jesus and others, and then we need to want to be with Jesus in heaven and take others with us. Um, Today, as I go through the scriptures and as we read the word together, I want to introduce you to some questions that have really helped me in my life and in regards to seeing what the Lord wants to speak to me. And so in your bulletin, everybody should have got a bulletin from the amazing ushers and greeters when they walked in. Yay, ushers and greeters. I love them all. 
I don't have favorites, but they're my favorites today. But these questions that I use all the time that I put in the bulletin today are, what do we see Jesus doing? Or what do we see God doing? What are his disciples doing? So if we're looking at scriptures, we're gleaning from scripture, what are his people doing? The people that walked with him, what are they doing? What are we supposed to be doing? We supposed to be doing, all of us with Jesus right here, what are we doing? And then what am I doing? What am I supposed to be doing? What, what out of this is for me to apply to my life? And so as we go through the scriptures today, I want to just bring these questions to mind and, and I pray that Holy Spirit bring those to my, the, brings things to mind that you can apply to your life personally, but also keep in mind that we're going to be taking communion together inside of service today. And so as I'm talking about all these things, as I'm talking about unity and being together in fellowship, what do we see God doing inside of that? What do we see God doing in us as a church, and what do we see that he's doing in us as individuals? So I'm going to pray. Father God, we love you so much. Father, we love your word. I ask that you help us to apply it to our hearts and our lives today, Lord Jesus. I ask that your words rise up, Lord Jesus, and my words fall to the ground, Lord, and that we would absorb every single thing that is from you and from this message for our lives today. We love you. In your name, amen. Amen. So, Today, I'm going to be talking about the Last Supper, and the Last Supper is in all four Gospels, and I'm going to be using all four Gospels, and I'm going to be reading chunks of Scripture, and I'm going to go back and forth to different places. So, four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of them have it in there. I love my Bible. I love this Bible. Um, I suggest you check it out. And you could go home and look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and like see the difference between the stories, which is even more interesting. But today we're going to start in Luke chapter 22, verse 7. And this is on, it says, Then the day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread came, on which the Passover lamb was to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us to eat. They said to him, Where do you want us to prepare it? And he said to them, listen, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and tell the owner of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished room upstairs, make preparations there. So they went and found the things just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. I love the beginning of this story, first of all, because Jesus basically says, Go here, do this, say this, this is going to happen, and then we're going to eat. And they did it, and it happened. How awesome would it be if Jesus could say this, go here, do that, read this, and we do it, and then it happens? Like, wouldn't that be amazing? I feel like that could be possible sometimes. I feel like it could be possible sometimes. But the other thing that we see that I took from this as I asked myself all my questions, these disciples were going to prepare for Passover. Like they literally, this is something they do every year, they're going to prepare for Passover. But Jesus knew that they were preparing for so much more. Jesus knew what that meal meant. Jesus knew what that time together meant. And I think sometimes we work really hard to prepare ourselves 
but we forget that it might not be for the thing that we think it's for. Somebody needs to hear that today. Sometimes we prepare ourselves for something, but it's not for what God is actually preparing us for. And so our job is to do what he said, be where he tells us to be when we're supposed to be there, and he's going to make it work out. His things are going to come to pass. Jesus knew what they were preparing for, but they didn't necessarily. And Jesus asks us to prepare ourselves for whatever it is that's coming our way. And part of that is to, number one, be with Jesus. Makes it a lot easier. Moving on, John 13 says, John chapter 13, same story, different version. Because Jesus knew that the Father had handed all things over to him and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he got up from the meal, removed his outer clothes, took a towel, and tied it around himself. He poured water into the wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel he had wrapped around himself. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not understand what I'm doing now, but you will understand after these things. Peter said to Jesus, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus replied, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus replied, okay, Peter, the one who has bathed needs only to wash his feet because he is completely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not every one of you, for Jesus knew the one who was going to betray him. So when Jesus had washed their feet and put his outer clothing back on, he took his place at the table again. And this is one of those stories, one of those sections of scriptures where I really dive into my questions, like, what is Jesus doing? And what are his disciples doing? And how can it be so different? Like, they're sharing the Passover meal. They're getting ready. Like, yeah, it's kind of weird. Teacher just washed all our feet. It's very interesting. But they're all sitting there ready to have a meal that they have every single year together, or at least have for the last three years, right? And Jesus is doing something completely different. He is getting on his hands and knees and getting on the floor and getting dirty and washing them their feet. This, this, again, is part of the preparation, right? He's preparing them. But what is he preparing them for? He's preparing them for so much more. And I think it, this symboli- symbolism, the symbolism of him washing their feet, they're going out, you guys. Like, after, after he dies on the cross, after he rises again, after he commissions them, and he goes up to heaven, the Holy Spirit comes, and they go out. He is preparing them for something so much more than just dinner, right? I think the other thing that I pulled from this is how we treat people matters. Again, all the disciples were at the table, all of them. The one who was going to betray Jesus, the one who was going to deny Jesus, the ones who had done some pretty shady stuff, in their lives. They were all at the table, and he washed all of their feet. And he knew. He knew everything. He knew all the things. And he humbled himself, the King of kings and Lord of lords, 
got on the floor and washed everyone's feet. I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever had anyone wash your feet. I've had someone wash my feet one time. It was very weird. Very weird. Maybe that's just because we're not used to washing our feet every time we go into a building, but, you know. I was sitting in my office one day, and, and one of my close, close friends comes in, and she goes, sit down. I shouldn't tell this too well. You'll figure out who it was. Um, she goes, sit down. Not very many people can say that, so you may have already figured out who it was. Um, and I'm like, excuse me? And so I sat down. She goes, take off your shoes. I'm like, okay. So I took off my shoes, and then it, I'm like, okay, I get what she's doing. And we had been in conflict. We had had differences of opinions. Um, and she came in to love me and to wash my feet. And, and many of you may not know this because I'm an amazing, wonderful, happy, joyful person all the time. But sometimes I'm kind of obstinate and hard to work with. Um, so we had had one of those conversations. And, and the thing that is dominant in our relationship, though, is Jesus. We have that unity in Jesus. And she just came in and she washed my feet. And how humble and how close to Jesus is that person who's like, I need, I need to go wash Amy's feet today. And I, Jesus has never told me to wash anyone's feet, you guys. Never. I don't, I hope, uh, I'm not going to say that on stage. Um, some things you say and then they happen. So we're just going to stop right there. But Having someone wash your feet also, I understand Peter. I'm like, dude, you're not touching my feet. Like, you're not going to wash my feet for so many reasons, so many reasons. And in that moment, it was humbling for both of us. And I think in this moment, sometimes we see the humility of Jesus, but we also see, you know, Jesus said, you're all clean. All my disciples are clean. You're all clean, except for one. And they all had to humble themselves and let their master wash their feet. So that's, that's life. That's fellowship. That's doing life together. The Bible tells us greater love has no man than this, than what? He laid down his life. And that's what Jesus is getting ready to do. He's getting ready to lay down his life. And I think that's one of those conundrums, at least for me, is how do you lay your life down for someone? How, if we're called to be like Jesus, how do we lay our lives down for someone? And I am so blessed to quite literally have some people in my life that would lay down their life for me. And I would, I would encourage you to find those people and hold on to those people. But inside of those relationships, sometimes we're going to be required to lay our lives down for them. And I think all of us find these people who could rescue us or save us or in different ways. I'm not saying like they're going to come in like a knight in shiny armor on a horse or anything, which would be cool. But no, they're people who quite literally will die to themselves to love and care for you. There are those people. And we're called to die to ourselves and love and care for them too. And that's part of the fellowship of the church, of the body, that's part of the communion of the saints, is to lay down our lives for each other over and over and over again. And Jesus models this over and over again, and he says in Matthew 11, 28, he says that, it's kind of a famous verse, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, right? He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
and I'm talking about this in the context of like laying down your life for one's friends, but sometimes we look at that verse and we think about all the work, right? Because you think yoke, yoke, oxen, all the things. Most of us know what that is. The yoke is the thing that goes on the oxen that makes them do work, right? But what it really is, is it's the tool that allows them to do work. It's the tool that leads them and guides them. And so when we're talking about Jesus' yoke being easy and his burden being light, we're talking about his instruction, his leadership. His, he is the instruction and the tool that guides us through whatever work we need to do. And so we're not talking about taking on all of God's things. We can't take on the weight of the world. Hello. We'd be crushed. But he does have us on mission. He does have us have things for us to do. But he tells us, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that's because all the things that he's teaching them, all the things that he's teaching us, if we listen and be with Jesus, then it is easy. And after that, he says, I'm gentle and humble and will lead you to rest. It's not hard to, the, to carry. We're the ones that make it hard. We're the ones that make it hard to carry. It's, it is truly both hard and easy to follow Jesus. Like I said before, if we do what he says and we listen and we're where we're supposed to be, when we're supposed to be there, it's kind of like parenting, right? Right? I know that some people like don't like to refer to Jesus as a parent, but I feel like he parents me a lot. Just saying. And so inside of that, he will take care of all the things. He is our provider. He is the thing that we can rely on. He is our savior. He is our healer. He is our king. He's all these things. But we like to take on all these burdens and all these things that really have nothing to do with Jesus. And we're going to get ready to take communion in a minute together. And the ushers are going to bring it forward and pass it out so you all can just chill out. It'll be okay. In John chapter 13, verse 12, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and do so correctly, for that is what I am. If I then, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you too ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example. You should do just as I have done for you. I tell you the solemn truth, the slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who sent as a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you understand these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the teacher talking. And this is what I'm talking about when, when he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I've given you the example. I just washed your feet, go do it for someone else. It's, that's not hard. It's not hard. You get a bucket of water, you get a towel, you go wash somebody's feet. What does that mean to you? This is where these questions are. Maybe there's a specific person that, that they're the last person you'd want to wash their feet. But maybe that person needs to feel love, the love of the Savior. Maybe you need to humble yourself. That's a lesson he constantly teaches me. We have to be willing to surrender. 
willing to lay down our lives, willing to humble ourselves to do whatever it is that God's calling us to do so that we can be Jesus to others. Submission, humility, and obedience flow out of a relationship of love with Jesus. So our priorities or our goals, number one, be with Jesus. If you're actually doing that, it won't be hard to submit and be humble and be obedient to what he wants you to do. The scriptures go on to say, Now when the hour had come, Jesus took his place at the table, and the apostles joined him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took the bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup, and after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. All of this, all of this story, all of us together, this is communion. This is fellowship. The washing of the feet, the breaking of the bread, doing life together, being in fellowship with Jesus and each other. This is communion. And in a second, we're going to take the elements together. But right now, I want to take a minute for us to lay down all of those things that we've picked up that we don't need or that Jesus never asked us to. I was listening to a friend preach a message the other day and he was talking about part of his testimony and he grew up in India. He was a little boy and they used to go to the temple and they would have to sacrifice for whatever so that they could eat, so that they could have a house, so that their, their, their gods would bring them a goat, whatever. They would have to go sacrifice at the temple. And again, we as Americans have amazing privilege and freedom and all these things. Where he grew up, he, as a young man, would go to the temple and he would cut his chest and he would bleed on the altar to give sacrifice to these gods that did absolutely nothing for him. And it wasn't until he heard about Jesus about the one true God who poured out all of his blood to cover everyone's sins so that this little boy would never have to cut himself again and bleed on an altar. And today, the, that's, that's something really to absorb because that still happens in our world. But also, what are the altars that you are killing yourself on that Jesus never asked you to sacrifice on? There are so many times, so many people, so many things that we kill ourselves for, that we sacrifice for, whether it's work or prestige or relationship or family or even seeking wholeness and freedoms in spaces where we shouldn't be seeking it. And we kill ourselves and we sacrifice and we strive to find these things to fill these holes. 
And there's already an answer. There's already something to fill those holes, and that's Jesus. And I feel like it's worse for us as Christians because we've made a choice to pick these things up. We've made a choice to say, I am responsible for all of these things. And if I am responsible for all these things, I have to do this, 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 and this. Where's the space for God to operate in that? So as we take communion together today, I'm going to give you guys a second. We're going to pray. And, and there's some things that we need to release so that we can be united, be the church that Jesus wants us to be, but more importantly, to be the friends of God that he wants us to be so that we can sit right here with Jesus and not feel anything separating us. Father God, we love you so much. Father, bring to mind the things that we need to release to you, Lord Jesus. Bring to mind the things we're holding on to that are yours. Father, give us peace and freedom from the things that bind us up, whether it's responsibilities, whether it's finances, whether it's control, whether it's our past, whether it's what someone's done to us or what we've done to someone else. Father God, we thank you for your body that was broken. We thank you for your blood that was spilt, that covers everything, covers all the things, Lord Jesus. Father, open whatever doors in our hearts that we've closed to you, Lord Jesus. Open whatever spaces that we need to open, Lord Jesus, so that we can let your spirit flow in and clean everything out, Lord Jesus. That's what this communion is about. That's what this fellowship is about, Lord Jesus. Reveal in us the things that you want to take care of. And then, Lord, shift our minds and our hearts and our spirits to want to let you take care of them. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your sacrifice. We thank you for your communion. We thank you that every time we eat and drink, we can remember your body and your blood, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your story. Matthew 26, 26 says, While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Go ahead and take the bread together. And after that, taking the cup and giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood, the blood of the covenant that is poured out for many for, for the forgiveness of sins. Go ahead and take the cup together. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus pursues fellowship with us so that we can have communion together, the communion of saints, the communion with him. Jesus pursues fellowship with us so that we can be restored, so that we can be renewed, so that we can be made whole, 
so that we can pursue fellowship with him with whole hearts and sanctified hearts. Remember the goals. Be with Jesus. Be with others. And then be in heaven with Jesus and others. The last scripture I have for you today is Acts 2.42. This is after, after the crucifixion, after the ascension, after the Holy Spirit came. The apostles, they were devoting themselves to, in Acts 2.42, it says they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Fellowship is the word koinonia in the Bible. That's the only word that is translated as communion in the Bible. And we've used it to mean bread and wine or bread and juice. But what it really means is fellowship. Learn what God has said. Fellowship together. Break bread together and pray. That is the Acts church. That is the church that Jesus calls us to be. After that, verse 43 says, Reverential awe came over everyone, and many wonders and miraculous signs came about by the apostles. All who believed were together and held everything in common. Every day they continued to gather together by common consent in the temple courts, breaking bread from house to house, sharing their food with glad and humble hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all people. Lord, give us glad and humble hearts to praise you and have goodwill for all people. I don't know about you, sometimes it's hard. It's hard to have goodwill for all people. But this is the church. This is the example of what the church should be, operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, being with Jesus together every day. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have a next steps coming up. That's why we have, I don't know, beach group. Like, that's why we have Kid Zone and Blast Off and Fourth of July fireworks. So that we can have fellowship together under the common bond of Jesus Christ. After that, it says, The Lord was adding to their numbers every day those who were being saved. What are we doing? That's one, one of the questions. What are we doing? Seriously, what are we doing, church? What are we doing? How do we honor Jesus as the church? How do we remember him? How do we have communion every day? It says every day they had fellowship and communion. And the only way I can think of doing that is having Jesus right next to us the whole time.